0: This week on the Heartland Pod, I have an opening statement on the value of truth. Then we're going to tackle in Talking Politics Georgia's runoff, Jay's bigoted letter, Janet Yellen's crypto concerns, the Dems' primary changes, Newt Gingrich's newly found conscience, and then a last call preview all about, well, Hunter Biden's hog. Plus, before we get to any of it, big, big news on the future of the podcast. Lots to do, so let's go. Welcome back to the Heartland Pod. My name is Adam Summer, and I am your host. This is the regular Monday show, our talk in politics show, which features myself with co-host Rachel Parker and Sean Diller, who will join us in just a moment together we bring big topics of the week with a special focus on the heartland as we bring our middle-out approach to politics and work to change the conversation with our shows 5 days a week including the flyover view every friday with a quick rundown of stories impacting the heartland from the past week with Kevin Smith and our newest show that's right our new show coming january 2023 well why why talk about it when i can give you the preview right here, right now, for the show, Dirt Road Democrat, with host Jess Piper. Here's a quick preview.
1: My name is Jess Piper. I've spent over a decade in the classroom, raised a family, ran for office, and cleaned plenty of dirt off my boots on my family's farm. Now I'm joining my friends from the Heartland Pod to bring you my new show, Dirt Road Democrat. Together, we will take winding roads connecting our communities across the Heartland as we build bridges and relationships after years of disrepair. Join me every other Thursday right here on the Heartland pod feed for Dirt Road Democrat with interviews, stories, and the same fire y'all know I'll never stop bringing to the fight. Whether you're a Democrat, a Republican, or live on a pristinely paved road, I'm here for you too. So join me, and together, let's rebuild the relationships in the Heartland and talk truth along
0: the way. Yeah, that's Jess Piper. We recorded that uh, this past week. I met up with her in Columbia, Missouri, and we're we're working on bringing you folks a show from Jess. So uh, very excited to work with her. She, of course, long, long, long time listeners know uh, that Jess Piper has a lot of history with our show uh she was on uh one of the very first episodes I ever did uh was was one of the first guests I had and uh, we've gotten to know each other better and better throughout the years uh finally get to meet each other uh not not too terribly long ago and it's been fascinating to watch her uh, uh you know ascend uh, you know she she ran for office this past cycle of course you know yeah she lost that race and there's plenty of republicans across Missouri who will want to you know, tout that. Oh, why should we listen to her? Let me tell you why you listen to somebody like Jess Piper. You listen to her because there's a reason that a ton of folks have already decided to listen to Jess Piper because she makes a lot of sense. It's the same reason folks have come to, to, to listen to this kind of a show, which is that it's just not bullshit, right? She's real. She's telling the truth and she does a good job of it. And I'm super excited to see uh, what she brings and uh, the folks that she talks to and, and the stuff that she's able to get into, so it's gonna be great. It's gonna be right on this feed, so you don't even have to go find a new show uh, down d- down the road. That'll happen, uh, but right now you can get it right here, and uh, it'll come to you every other Thursday starting in January. So we're working on it now. So tell your friends that the friend that you know that like they they you know like her stuff on Facebook or wherever, and uh, you know you've told them about the show, but hey, maybe they haven't joined us yet. Pretty good time, I would say, to jump on board uh, because it's going to be great. And for those of you who subscribe to our Patreon, that's going to get even better because we're going to have some stuff with Jess on Patreon, and you can only get there if you're a subscriber. So you go to heartlandpod.com, you click that Patreon link, and you get signed up uh, so that you can get the extra perks, including the last call. We have a last call on this show, uh, the $5 level uh, on Patreon, heartlandpod on Patreon, heartlandpod.com, click the Patreon link the $5 a month and up level, you get the last call, and we have one of those for you uh, today. It's out. It's already out. By the time you're listening to this, it's already out, and if you're a subscriber, you'd know that, and you could have listened to it already, or maybe you listen to it after this. I don't know. I don't know what your listening habits are exactly, but I hope that they're here with us. So, All right. Well, uh, I'm going to do a quick opening statement for you on the value of the truth, and then we'll jump into talking politics. Mark Twain said, truth is the most valuable thing we have. Let us economize it. I've been thinking about that statement. And I realized that, in a way, what Twain was saying was that letting the truth out, really speaking truth at all times, that it has a cost to it, and that many cannot afford that cost. I think he's, he's probably right about that. Speaking truth is hard to do. Staying on that message is even harder to do. It's easier. It's simpler. It's more popular to deal in propaganda. It is easier to live in lies and half-truths, unconcerned for the veracity of what we say. Oftentimes, the truth is uncomfortable. The lies that we use to get through our daily lives, they can be much more comfortable than reality. I know that was true for me for a very long time. I lied to myself about a lot of stuff that I've told the truth to myself about, and it has been hard to do, but the outcome is worth it. But the thing about the truth is that it really does take time, right? The message that we hear matters. The more we are exposed and can expose others to the truth, the more that message can take root and the more it can sprout. But the truth does not grow quickly. It takes time. It takes care. And it takes others willing to stand up and repeat it over and over and over again. Lies grow like weeds. They grow quickly. They grow everywhere. They grow without care. They grow without caution. We have to continue to work on that. We have to continue to get rid of them to allow the truth to grow. And that can only happen if we continue to lift that message up. The truth is the most valuable thing we have. But if we economize it, like Twain told us to do, we could also lose it. So instead of losing it, let's use it. Let's make it grow as big as we possibly can. And now here's talking politics. <music>
2: Talking politics. All right. Welcome
0: back for Talking Politics. This is Adam Summer. I am here with my co hosts, Rachel Parker and Sean Dealer, as usual. Uh, Lots of stuff to talk about today, uh, but start where we always start how we were this past week and what we're sipping on. Myself, uh, this past week was busy, jam packed. uh, And then Friday, I got to go to Columbia, Missouri, where I had uh, a presentation in the morning. And then I got to have lunch. And sit down and work with uh, one of the first ever real friends of the pod for the Heartland Pod and uh, a new member of our little little crew, our, our merry crew here, Jess Piper, the one, the only Jess Piper. Uh, you, you may have already seen something by the time you're listening to this. If you're a morning pod listener, uh, an early early pod head, awaken, awaken pod, if you will. Uh, you you may you may not know yet. Uh, Jess is joining us with a show. Uh, She is going to be doing a show called Dirt Road Democrat, and it's going to be coming out in January. So there's going to be some preview material out there, and uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be really really cool. So she and I had a chance to sit down and talk talk about the vision for the show and uh, record some demo work. And there's going to be more of that coming. And very very cool. Uh, I got to record a, a video for her for TikTok. So. That's like, you know, that's huge. That's like, you know, for in TikTok world, that's like playing basketball with like LeBron James, like getting <laughs> to record with Jess Piper. So uh, very, very cool. We're all super excited for that. Uh, and I am sipping on. I took a page out of Sean's book from last week. I've got some hot water with lemon. I forgot how much I enjoyed that. And then when you when mentioned it last week, yeah, Sean, I was just like, God, yeah, I used to drink that all the time.
1: We party so hard. I know. And,
0: uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to know how to recover too. You know that's <clears throat> that's part of the game. So yeah, I'm I'm enjoying that uh, immensely. Uh, I'm in fact drinking it out of a mug from Nicholas Linky from his uh, book Malignant that he talked about on the show before. But Sean, how about you, man? How was the week and uh, what you sipping on?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Um, the week was good. It's been another chill week post election style. Um, And yeah, my, uh, my beautiful wife and daughters were actually out of town on Friday and Saturday for a wedding back in St. Louis. Wow. Um, so I was just in a super quiet house and, uh, I was able to get it clean before Michelle got back. And then today I, uh, did some of my famous smoked salmon with the, Mm. uh, the best recipe in the world, which longtime listeners will know comes from the. Department of Fish and Game from the state of Alaska. (laughs) They've got the they've got the goods if you need it. Um, Yeah, and then uh, the dream team sip wise, I've got some hot coffee that I just made, and then I dumped the rest of it into a huge tumbler of ice, and uh, so I have both.
2: If you talk about organizing a meeting at a library or watching watching Washington (laughs) Week, that is the most that is the most peak Sean Diller stream of consciousness. (laughs) i made this from uh, a government agency recipe that's um
1: that's why we love you though yeah just crushing sincerity i bet it's excellent too i bet
0: it's a great recipe
1: yeah and it's simple if you if you search simple smoked salmon i bet it comes up like in the top couple because i'm not the only one who understands that this is the best so yeah, anyway,
0: <laughs> that's true. Rachel Parker, how about you? How you doing? How was the week and what's sipping on?
2: I mean, I feel pretty inferior cause I didn't, I didn't make smoked salmon today. Um, it was good. We had company until Wednesday. My mother-in-law was in town for Thanksgiving. Um, and yeah, it's weird. Like I, I planned quiet for this yeah. time of the year for the first time in my ever life ever. I was like, I'm going to plan quiet and I, it's, it's a little strange for me. I gotta say, like i'm <laughs> I'm used to like the day dragging me along. um, and right now it isn't. And so that's a little bit bizarre. Um uh, not in a, like in a bad way, but just more in like a, uh, okay, girl, you said you wanted some time to plan. So here you are. Um so I I finally was kind of I kicked into gear a little bit. Uh, and then today I played, I was talking to Adam a little bit before Sean jumped on. I was playing the game of today of colder allergies. St. Louis, cold is it a cold or are you allergies i'm leaning into allergies and let me tell you why because when i eat a bunch of lordodyne like i just shovel it in my mouth the symptoms improve that to me is when i know i'm dealing with like some because i'm super allergic to like mold is my thing so this time of year it can it's real hit or miss ah. it can be really fine or it can just be like so the, the leaves um Anyway, so and it I'm a has little, been wet
0: and cold and then warm and then cold and then warm and then cold.
2: Yeah. So, so. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I, yesterday, all of a sudden, I was like, I'm struggling to breathe. Anyway, uh, and I am sipping on um, this. Uh, it's basically like a chai, it's like a uh, spice chai latte decaf. It's pretty good with some uh, warm milk and honey to soothe the throat as I mm. chat. And I've got my handy uh, green water flask that you nice. guys will. Yeah. See me as sipping on. So
1: yeah, some classics also.
0: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Oh yeah, hey I, Adam.
1: Yeah where'd go you go ahead. to lunch with uh with Jess in Columbia?
0: Well, there's only one place to go if you if you get to go to Columbia and you have one option. And the a lot of people are by the say, highway. <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> a lot of people would say, Oh, you gotta go to Shakespeare's. You're wrong. It's 44 Stone Pub. Uh it's over in the Peachtree Plaza. Uh not a sponsor, but by God, would I take them as a sponsor? Uh it's phenomenal. Uh they, they opened up like uh it was like the year I think I started law school uh there and we had to make we had to implement a rule about how often we would go because it got out of hand very, very quickly. It's this like English food place. It's like you can get like Welsh rare bit and like, you know, really nice roasted chicken and Is there a steak and
2: kidney pie situation?
0: Sometimes there is. It depends on, yeah, what's going on. But like their regular menu has like lamb and, you know, uh, chicken tzatziki and stuff like that.
1: Mashed peas. You can always get bangers and mash
0: (laughs) on the menu. And the 44 stone is the combined weight of the two guys who started the place, which if you know what a stone weight is, you this place is literally. way
1: too british i would never go to this Two, <laughs> two, two two pretty
0: healthy men um but uh, it's got a great whiskey list and really good beers and it's got a cool vibe and it's just a it's a great place so uh i highly recommend it and they have a cantina downtown by the blue note now which has like you know disco fries and tacos and shit that's really good too but, yeah i i, I, I colombia it, it's nice to go back to colombia because Anybody who's who has spent an extended period of time in Columbia knows it's a great place to be. But like once you become like a full fledged adult, you're just like, I don't think I would wanna necessarily live here. Like, I enjoy it, but it's just it's I don't know. Something about Yeah,
1: I don't know. If I had if I didn't have like the drive to like work and do stuff all the time like if I really was back in my 20s and I could just like shoot pool and walk between bars and restaurants that's that's my point it's a great place (laughs) to live yeah
2: I don't (laughs) even want to do that
1: anymore though I (laughs) lived
2: in I lived Tucson's a college town and I lived there I moved there squarely in my my mid-20s so when I moved there I was like roughly the age demographic of like a you know a university student right so I didn't feel super out of my own nature, right? I've been out kind of your of, element, so to speak. Correct, correct. And then, uh, and then I started to not be in my mid 20s. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's that line from dazed and confused. Like all these girls just stay the same age. And, um, yeah, the first time I went on a date with a grad student, I was like, I've got to move.
1: I can't. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. Oh, that's funny. That was Did really you see funny. his apartment? <laughs> No.
2: No. <laughs> no. I have a lot, a, no. Lot of, a
0: lot. of books out in the living room for no reason. All right, well, let's move on to the topics here. We've got uh, the true false. True or false. All right, this week the true or false comes to us uh, from state of Georgia. The Georgia runoff results will have nothing to do with the candidate quality. We talked last week some about candidate quality, and I made a point that I think it really, really mattered in this midterm cycle. Uh, so I'm flipping that around, uh, that this this runoff result uh, will have absolutely nothing to do with the quality of the two candidates uh, who are in play. And I, I posed it that way because I think it's true. I think that there is an unfortunate but realistic chance that Herschel Walker could still win this race uh, based on the fact that it even had to go to a runoff in the first place should tell you that it is still a wildly competitive race. Um, You know, without the third party involvement, maybe that changes things enough that it, it takes it all out. But the fact that this man has said the things that he has said and done the things he has done and just been who he is and that it wasn't a five or six point automatic win for Warnock in the first place is I think pretty worrying. And I'm not, like, you know, I don't know. This is, this show comes out on the 5th. The The results should come out sometime the 6th, late on the 6th or on the 7th, probably. Um, hopefully it comes out that quickly. I don't know. So I, I just don't know. I'm not sold that it's an automatic lock from Warnock. I'm not sold that the early voting necessarily means anything demographically uh, at this point. So, um, Sean, what do you think? Weigh in here first.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it feels like you're bringing me down to earth here and I think I'm going to fight. <laughs> don't go don't... gentle into that good night. <laughs> right. fight. Rage against Bill right. no, Pullman's. <laughs> right. Oh man, um, I like that yeah. you took the
0: actual poem and went directly to Independence Day with it.
1: <laughs> right. We will not go <laughs> softly into the night. Question mark. Uh- <laughs> I I can't imagine the Democrats will drop this. And I think it comes down to candidate quality. So I love the way that you phrase it. And I think it's false. The idea that candidate quality is not going to produce the outcome, I think is false. And uh, I think it was Mark Short, uh, Mike Pence's former chief of staff, who was on like uh, Meet the Press this morning. And he was like, he's very earnest and known for being so. And uh, he said it really succinctly. He said, the Republican might lose in this lean Republican state because he's the worst candidate. And so, you know, that, if that happens, like you said, if Herschel Walker wins, then Holy shit, you know, what is going on in Georgia? How do you win an election there? You know, um, because he, you know, Michelle Alcindor was also on meet the press and she said that the <laughs> Georgia voters she spoke to said they know he's a liar that they don't believe what he's saying, but they are voting for him to stand up to Joe Biden and because he's a Republican. So I hope that they're in the minority and the money that the Democrats have put into this race is just, uh, you know, I think they've outspent the Republicans by two to one or more. Yeah, And it wasn't actually, it was a good meet the press. I wasn't like, you know, complaining about Meet the Press as I was watching it today. I wasn't like muting it all the time um, and walking out of the room. (laughs) Uh, But uh, in 2024, the Democrats are defending Senate seats in Montana, West Virginia, and Ohio, which are all states that Joe Biden lost, you know, and that Trump won, some, some of them big. So this is really important to them. They really need to win this seat. And, you know, hopefully they don't, shit the bed and lose to herschel walker mm-hmm. in this race
0: rachel what do you think is it uh vampires and werewolves or
1: well the the thing
2: that sean just said would would make me say um false that it you know that it does i, I understand what you're saying and i'm gonna I'll, I'll do what i like to do i like to widen out a little bit so let's widen out we, you're right adam that we shouldn't even be having this conversation right right it shouldn't we should not have gotten to this point The reason that people are voting for Herschel Walker has nothing to do with Herschel Walker and has everything to do with sticking it to one Joseph R. Biden. Um, So it doesn't matter. So he's a foil. So he could be anybody. I mean, I've said before, I say this all the time, that there are certain situations in which, and Democrats can do this too, a Republican with a pulse can run and be a credible threat to someone who is far more serious, far more committed to. The idea of service. Um, I think Warnock has proven himself to be well suited for the people of Georgia. Yeah. I think he um is uh, clearly a tactical politician. Um, because here we are having this conversation about him. He wasn't favored to win in 2020. And right. you know, we're talking about the likelihood that he's gonna remain in the Senate. So the fact that Georgia is probably, I think, going to have two Democratic senators, um, should make the republicans um hate themselves like i hope they're all going through this like period of massive self-loathing right now they're not um no i think some of them are actually i don't think they would ever say that i don't think we'll get to that a little bit later but like i don't think they're going to come out and phrase it like that uh, um but i think they are full of regret for some of the things because this should have been a slam dunk for them right yeah yeah. they should have had two republican senators from georgia Period and Perdue and
1: Leffler were awful too. When you think back, like Leffler had just a very inflammatory, you know, (laughs) background and you know everything that she stood for and came from when it comes to being tied to, um, you know, the global elites and you know people who pulled the lever. But that's never um, stopped them before,
2: Mitt Romney. Right? You know what I mean? No, that's what I'm saying. It's like they lost,
1: you know, to the premise basically. The the Georgia Republicans lost these seats because of shitty candidates too.
2: Correct. You know, Correct. And
1: not as good as the Democrats who ran against them.
2: That's right. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know exactly how if, if I'm if I'm agreeing with the with the true or the false. Um, I do want to say, is this the week? Did I dream this? Because I don't know when things happen sometimes because I'm not on social media right now. Um, I'm between social media, I like to say. <laughs> but I believe that Herschel Walker was on Stern. Talking about how he used to play Russian roulette because that's how competitive he is. Was that this week or did that happen a while ago? It's in his
1: book. I think there was a recent. It came out again.
2: So I don't yeah. know when. And that's he talked start- about it
1: in interviews when he was hawking his book before he was running for senate. Okay. He talked about okay, these so intense I, moments.
2: I'm a little bit late to the fact that he's openly admitting that he's massively self destructive and violent. probably a super violent sociopath. Um, so. I mean, it goes, I guess I'll just say, like, I'm going to say that it's true-ish, uh, I know this cop-out, um, in that it shouldn't, we shouldn't have gotten this far, right? It's absurd that we've gotten this far. Um, It's unlikely that a Democrat in that same situation in Georgia would have a, a straw's chance in hell, right? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And instead, you've got this contrast between this like highly qualified, you know, and maybe people in Georgia—I don't know—people in Georgia are just pro-life, whatever. But like, you've got someone who's like a really serious politician and a very serious person and a very committed. I'll just call him a statesman for lack of a better for for this purpose. That's what that's what that's called the Senate. They're censorial. It's what they're supposed to fucking be. They're supposed to be, you know, it's kind of a little bit good at talking. <laughs> it's Their whole job is to right. talk for a living. Um, and the fact that Herschel Walker is still a competitive candidate, I it it is, uh, pathetic. And I do think he's going to lose. And I do think that there's. I'm not going to say soul searching because the Republican Party doesn't have a soul. But I think they are going to be more furious this time than they were when they lost these two seats in 2020.
0: Well, speaking of the soul of the Republican Party, that takes us right into the yeah no, yeah. Jay Ashcroft and friend of the pod, George Hawley. Not really, but you know what I mean. Uh, they are they're making a record, and and I like that they're making a record. I appreciate when they make a record; makes life a little bit easier. So, George, it's actually George Hawley. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, Zach. Um, he voted against the Respect for Marriage Act, which which passed, but uh, now he's on the record as being against interracial marriage and same-sex marriage uh, in, a, in a real way. And Jay Ashcroft, uh, Missouri 2024 Governor Hopeful, wrote an adorable letter. To, it is adorable.
1: It is. It really is. Uh, we
2: are going to talk about the the, the, the scrawling yes. on like a baby, right? Oh okay. yes. and
1: I highlighted it too. All the unsupported <laughs> assertions and like <laughs> Sean's got the bullshit. letter printed out oh, in highlight Sean's uh, like, embellishments. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, so go He's off, King. This go guy off, is yeah.
2: I'm not going to stop you. Go ahead.
1: Do so, what let me to do, say Sean. the yeah
0: no, and then I want to turn it over to him. so the actual yeah no. What I wrote is Jay Ashcroft and Josh Hawley make a record of being a bigot, and I appreciate that they did that. So Sean, go off and and tell us about jay ashcroft's letter to so for those who don't know jay ashcroft sent a letter to roy blunt to tell roy blunt to vote no on the respect for marriage act and he hand wrote a nice little note on that says please i urge you to stand strong for missouri
2: for the vision for people who do not know the visual he hand wrote Handwrote, wrote hand wrote which just looks like it's probably digitally it's written digital. on a tablet yeah. on a letter so he there is a print there is a letter that he wrote allegedly, yeah. I don't think he did. Someone did. Someone wrote it, and then I think the only so he, there's a letter that says here's all the stupid ass reasons that you shouldn't uh, entitle right, is, anyone right. to be married if they're adults. Yes. Um, but he also scrawled on it like a like a baby, like a little kid was like. And I also love this. Like it doesn't make it's like an autograph section of the letter. Yeah, um, John.
0: take us through the letter and and why these assertions are just insane
1: right so sorry these kids are running around I don't know if you hear the stomping Um, (laughs) Um, so the context of this is that in this world where the Supreme Court is not afraid to you know just really change daily life and the rights of all Americans without thinking about it just because they think that that's what they're empowered to do That, you know, there are a million people who are in same-sex marriages in this country or more. And so the federal government, the House and the Senate put together the Respect for Marriage Act, and it's going to become law. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, it it sets a federal standard that same-sex marriages are valid. And the other main component of it is that religious institutions that don't want to perform same-sex marriages can't be retaliated against. And that's right. why 12 Republican senators, Susan Collins, Rob Portman of Ohio, Tom Tillis of North Carolina that Lisa Murkowski, uh, Joni Ernst. Right, Lisa Murkowski, both, yeah, Dan Sullivan of Alaska, Mitt Romney, conservative. <laughs> people don't know that he's known as being conservative, uh, Cynthia Loomis of Wyoming, Todd Young of Indiana. Yeah, Todd Indiana. Young of Indiana.
0: That's that one was the one that caught my
1: that one and Joni right. Ernst. And here's, and so, and they all release statements too. You know, it's like, so, um, blunt statement was, was decent, but like, um, you know, this guy, Jay Ashcroft is acting like this is undermining the family. That's one of the assertions he makes. It undermines the family completely disregarding that there are hundreds of thousands of same sex couples that are married in families. They have kids and, you know, these are families. And so that's why the conservative Todd Young of Indiana said in an op-ed in the Indy Star that the bill will bring the United States government closer to treating everyone with dignity and respect than we ever have in our history, <laughs> adding that he would not have supported the bill if it endangered relig- religious freedoms, which it doesn't. So yeah, I mean, he he has four little you know complaints. He says that this shouldn't be law because of federalism, as if, like, saying it's the province of the states, which, because it's legal in so many other states, the idea that your marriage from Iowa wouldn't be valid in Missouri because people like Jay Ashcroft think marriage right. is between a man and a woman, it's so stupid. Like, that's not what federalism is about at all. No. So he says it's about federalism. The other boogeyman he brings up is that it'll embolden the weaponized Department of Justice. Um, What's what? the other? That's leg two of the stool. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to spend any time on that. <laughs> this doesn't even make um, sense. Who is the
2: what, who is the Department of Justice going to go after just because people want to get married? People don't want to be afraid that they're going to suddenly have a null and void marriage right it's all how
1: the fuck is that gonna work the reasons that all these conservative republican senators voted for this bill that it that you can't retaliate against religious institutions he's just saying that they're wrong and that he he knows what it is
2: what he's Um, really saying is i'm going to run for governor (laughs) in two years and my last name is Ashcroft. well and they knew
0: that they knew like you know stuff like this that we would cover it you know that like that it would get some news play and it's just this is his second trip to the news cycle. In as many weeks, because that's what he's trying to do, and so you know you just put the phrase in there, weaponize the DOJ, because now the phrase is out there. That's right. That was the whole point of it, right? It's not even good substance, anyway. Yeah.
1: So there. So and then the other one, which I only say because it's so stupid, also is that (laughs) it will counter Missourians' overwhelming desire that marriage be between a man and a woman, and he says I think permanent, also like permanent, lifelong, conjugal and the overwhelming number of Missourians want this. And he's basing this off of the 2004 vote that was a gay marriage ban that Republicans and conservative organizations pushed around the country. So that was almost 20 years ago. And, you know, so he's just full of shit. Also, it's the same federalism argument again. He's just saying, we don't want this. So that's why
2: you can't do it.
1: So anyway, this guy's full of shit especially because the idea that it's going to undermine the family, it's like, no, your position of hate towards people who are different and trying to tear their families apart and make things unsafe for them. That's what undermines the family jackass.
0: Yeah. And the religious aspect of it, you are still as a church, you are still free to say that in order to have a marriage recognized by our church, by our religion, by our doctrine, This is what it means in our church. Like nobody's forcing your church to recognize a particular marriage for your church's purpose. It's that that your church doesn't get to tell the government whose marriages are and that
2: would probably also get thrown out anyway, right? Like that probably like would have been probably challenged if it did include that. Like you have to marry anybody. You have to have a ceremony. Because for for real, let's be honest. Like ceremonies are just that. They are ceremonial. Right. And the 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 organization that enshrines your marriage legally is the state in which you get married. You file a wedding <laughs> certificate with the clerk, and that's what makes your marriage binding yeah, you the, if you get a
0: marriage license and you go through the steps and you get married and you file the correct paperwork with the state of Missouri. And a month later, you want to end that marriage, you have to get an actual divorce with the state of Missouri through the court process. If you go to your church and have a ceremony and do nothing else, a month later, you can walk away and there's nothing there. If over a span of years, you buy real estate together and do other things like file joint taxes as married and do like over years, you can create an equitable marriage that your ceremonial marriage is evidence showing your intent to be married to this person. But in and of itself, a ceremony does not make you married.
2: And the whole point, by the way, let's like reiterate why this is important, right? We're supposed to live in a in an equal and just society. And we're not supposed... One type of person is supposed to have rights than another type of person. And so the whole battle over same-sex marriage, which was certainly... um. It was something a lot of my friends really got involved in because there were international gay couples, right. and that's where a lot of this started. A lot of this started is because like people wanted to adopt children together and they couldn't. Um, uh, people were getting hosed in dissolutionment of relationship situations yeah, where and these bedside scenes and these right. end of life, yeah, terrible right. shit, terrible yeah. shit. So it was really a battle. I mean, you know, I could go on and on about how my friends that were a bit conservative are my very liberal gay friends became very conservative when it came to marriage. All of a sudden they're like, we never fought these rights so that we could assimilate. I was like, well, you're 15 years older than people who didn't ever grow up with homophobia. So they just want to be able to get married. So shut the fuck up. So the world has caught up. Um,
1: uh, Yeah, no, I don't have anything else to say. He did it. Both senators from North Carolina... Were both Republicans, both yeah. voted for it. Same yeah. with Alaska. Oh, Grant! I didn't know Grant voted
2: for it. That's what I missed. No,
0: uh, yeah, North Carolina. North Carolina. Richard Burr. Yeah. Oh, excuse China. me. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. until Tillis, other Carolina. Uh, no. Lindsey Graham was like, "Hey, marriage. I hate that." Um. All right. Let's move <laughs> on. <laughs> Our third. Topic. Not even married, like I am. <laughs> you don't say all right we got to bring this little ditty back uh, really happy uh, we did by the way week. really uh, happy it's, it's a quick one but boy oh boy was it a good one uh rachel brought it to us so i'm going to introduce it and turn it over <laughs> janet yellen treasury secretary thinks that we we might need to regulate cryptocurrency
2: i mean it's just the best <laughs> yeah you don't fucking say it just is <laughs> like do is it By a the string way, of bankruptcies is it, is the, it, the
0: massive is this black hole like collapse occurring
2: is this not good for investors let me hmm. so first of all the laws in place right now can are are, are definitely strong enough to penalize F- like you know we talked about this a bit a couple weeks ago um are strong enough to penalize the things that FTX did and did not do correctly right like those things are 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 blatant law like they're they're breaking blatant existing laws, right? Like the, the criminal it, stuff is there. It's there. Like that you can't just take customer funds and invest it in whatever you want. Yeah, it's stuff. called, you can't it's called it. fraud and uh, super illegal. Super illegal. Duty. Yeah, yeah. All of it's illegal. Wire fraud. All of it. But what it doesn't do is protect the consumer in case of a bank run. So right. there's this thing called FDIC insurance, which means that you're insured up to a certain amount of money with every single financial institution um so if there is oh say a huge financial collapse you can still get your money right it might take a couple days but your money doesn't go to zero um so
0: a a, a nice little thing we we invented after the great depression
2: yes yes the ftic uh and again i'll say this as much as i feel like it because it's my podcast but like i have worked in the gold industry so i have spent plenty of time <laughs> talking to people about like real money and how taxes theft and how the federal reserve is a ponzi scheme and blah blah i've heard it all you can't so, like no crypto bro can surprise me or crypto gal crypto gals too out there yeah um but i
0: think they're all just crypto bros but i don't think that's yeah a, i don't think that's a gendered term i think crypto bros. yeah just a I, person I know saying. In general. it's like
2: saying dude dude is a yeah. gender-free term as yeah. far as like, everybody's dude um so, you know, the there's the old adage that I love saying now that they said that, that they being uh, all Illuminati. the smarty pants types. Yeah, the Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> the Illuminati on Real Time with Bill Maher. Um, uh, that, you know, that there was this, it was probably like 10-ish years ago when everybody was starting to realize that, like, dangerously false information was spreading like wildfire on social media and everybody's like, what are we going to do about it? Everybody's like, uh uh-huh. And the response to the Ooh, was credible journalists saying, if you don't regulate yourselves, they're gonna do it for you and they're gonna do it really in ways that you're not gonna like. Right. So to Sam Bankman-Fried's credit, if you wanna call it that, he was in the process of lobbying uh, lawmakers um, for what he was calling like soft regulation. I'm not sure what that looked like. It's not gonna happen now is the point. Like he fuck- They fucked up so royally that there right. is no, there's not gonna be any soft regulation there's just going to be criminal statutes that get wrapped <laughs> up into your inability to run what is essentially an offshore fucking bank, and and people are probably going to have to sign like much stiffer agreements and things like that that say like you understand that by doing this you're taking a, a massive financial risk right. and this asset. So, um, we'll see what really comes out of it. But I just thought that was so. I just thought that was hilarious that she was yeah. like, "So I'm thinking if you watch her, her little uh, her little quote is like." I really think this is something we are going to have to take a look at now. Like, oh, okay, sixteen billion in a day—that's what got your attention. <laughs> just gone overnight. Just the whoop, giant
0: like, sound of
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> in the yeah, Bahamas—that's what yeah, caught your yeah. caught your eye. Did it? <laughs> Sean, did any of this break through for you at all? Is it?
1: Um. Yes, it did. Not Janet <laughs> Yellen. Um. But this That'd kind be of something. <laughs> if um, Janet Yellen breaks through, we've got a problem. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, not even during Thanksgiving week. I don't think I, that's like the slowest news week in the world. Um, but there was a story about tech layoffs, and mm-hmm. I think 140,000 employees in the tech sector or so have been laid off this year. And, and that's so, just going to
0: keep on tick, 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 tick.
1: Right. Yeah, like 11,000 people at, at Facebook, you know, all the Twitter people, it's happened at a lot of different places. Um, and so the News Hour did this really great, you know, little piece with a few folks from the industry and a few economics people. And, you know, kind of what does this mean for the bigger economy? Does, you know, is this something to panic over? And, um, and some of the, some of the Silicon Valley smarty pants types are <laughs> really smart. Um, you know, who have been around and saw the dot-com bust and, you know, kind of really have seen, you know, are placing this FTX thing and the, um, you know, what's happening in social media simultaneously, kind of in context. And um, they're saying, you know, this is really a a correction. And where I think it really hits is that um, they were saying that, one of them was saying, this is probably really good for the rest of the world because it releases talent of a ton of really, really smart people and he decided crypto specifically as like, you know, people who are toiling, you know, putting time and, you know, energy resources and, you know, like, um, you know, fossil fuel resources, those kind of resources into. Well, it's like,
0: we've got some of the best architects in the world building (laughs) sandcastles.
1: Yeah. And just think about like, and
0: they're building them like on the wet part of the sand.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Well, specifically manufacturing, healthcare. And um, you know, sustainable grids and utilities are places where you know this um, this little shakeup of you know maybe crypto is not you know doing anything good, and maybe social media is not doing anything good. In fact, they're both bad. So you can quit, and that is happening. You know, people who have been laid off are switching industries. They're going into healthcare and some place where they think they can make a difference. And you know, we think about these tech companies. That is what they. That is how they've always recruited, and that is how they've talked to you investors. You a and, oh, you'll so that, innovate. That, yeah, that, we're going to change the world. That yeah. also, that so also it's a cool answer. moment. that people are that, like, you know, calling I, bullshit.
2: I totally agree, with you, John. I'll say really quickly that like um, one of the other reasons that people are drawn to um, emerging technologies and emerging sectors. Is two words stock options, right. and once they know that those aren't going to be worth um, the paper they're printed on, right. they're going to go look for other places um, where they can just. It might even be impactful just know that the stock they're vesting is going to be worth something in in, in five to seven years. Yeah. Um, and what all, I'll 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 just I'll just leave this here for as chaotic as it looks on the outside. I can't imagine what a <laughs> shit show it must have been to work at a place like FTX <laughs> yeah. because you're dealing with people that change their minds every morning. They get up, I mean all yeah, this they stuff they have no that...
0: vision, they have no plan. Yeah. They just think that they are geniuses.
2: And they're told they're geniuses and mostly what they start doing as soon as they're they have like the name Wunderkind, They love that. They love to name a wunderkind the tech press and the, you know, the 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 smarty pants finance types. Love a wunderkind. And as soon as that happens, all they want to do is travel on their private planes and do big interviews. And suddenly like the, the that's what that's why Twitter has always been a poorly managed company because they always just want to become celebrities. Um, so I, I, I I'm going to double down on what Sean said. I think this is going to be a really exciting time for, for innovation. I think there's going to be so many things that are going to finally pop because people can recruit talented interesting creative um engineers and dev stack engineers and, and uh cloud stack engineers and people like that that have otherwise been tied up with this uh these hill of sand bullshit pieces City of companies. nothingness yeah right. well
0: let's, let's hope i think that's a that's a nice way to look at it. all right let's move on to the buyer sell okay uh this buyer sell Here's the phrase that I wrote down. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, changes to the Democratic primary schedule are a good thing. Buy or sell? Uh, these changes are coming, uh, and looks like South Carolina is going to lead things off. Uh, I don't know if there's a, a an actual final, final, final. Was it was it the South Carolina and then the Nevada, Michigan?
1: Right. Combo? Yeah. What I wrote down, and I don't know if it is final yet um yeah no friday
0: it was moving forward
1: right right yeah it's south carolina nevada um new hampshire or no michigan and georgia i don't know if i can't remember if new hampshire's in it or not yeah nevada nevada and new hampshire
0: and then georgia and then michigan
1: right yeah south carolina new hampshire nevada michigan i think it's a great
0: mix myself but that's I, I'm just going to buy it. I buy it. I think it's a great thing. I've been saying this for many years uh, that the Iowa thing doesn't make any sense to me. I love Iowa. I love Des Moines. I think it's a great place. A lot of good things about Iowa that I love. Many people are saying Iowa's wonderful, but uh, as far as leading things off, I think it makes absolutely no sense. Uh, it gives us no good contest. I think the caucus model is outdated and doesn't work. Well and it's not inclusive. It's not Sucks. inclusive. And you wind up with it's wildly
2: well, inaccurate. It's wildly <laughs> inaccurate. And you wind up with what
0: we had in 2016, which is yeah, who did it first, and then it was a fight between was it him? Was it Sanders? I don't know. Well, he said it first. Well, they said it better. Like we need to know. Like, we need to know this is the result, this is the outcome, this is the number of delegates, this is what you know, here here's how we and, and we can lock people off. And it just it just makes it, a, I think, a more useful measuring stick. Rachel, what do you think?
2: I buy it. I've been I'm, I'm with you where every four years people forget how the fucking primaries work. And then people like us are like, OK, so primaries are not a part of constitutional right. anything. <laughs> They're just how parties do things. They can change them whenever the hell they want. Um, it's all made up. It's all made up. They can do it however the hell they want. They don't even have to have primaries. They can just nominate their own presidential candidates. Yeah, it's, it's like all whose line is it anyway? All the points yeah, are. It's made all up. it's all bullshit. I would like to see. Um I feel like, and this is maybe an unpopular opinion, but I'm gonna say it anyway because it's what I feel in my heart. I've I remember in 2020 the unbelievable amount of pressure that South Carolina voters were under at that time. Yeah. Because they had to make a very important choice for the rest of the country. And, um, when you're talking about a Southern state where all the base is just African-Americans and black people, people of color, they have to guess what racist white folks are going to do this cycle. And I think that happens. I don't There was a, uh, fuck, sorry. There was a pollster. I remember talking, I remember listening to a pollster being interviewed talking about this very thing. He's black. He's from South Carolina. And he's like, my parents are not going to vote for Bernie Sanders because they are so cynical about how racist white people are. They're southern. Um like speaking of Lindsey Graham. So I would like to see. So I you know, I'm I'm totally down with like just knocking Iowa out. It was that there's no Democrats there. I mean, there just aren't. There I'm, there, I'm sure there are some, well, there, like there's there's plenty there's, of
0: Democrats in Iowa. Yeah. It's just Sean has talked about this before. Uh, uh the, the 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 flock thing, right? The way that they move. Sean can you talk about that and like cuz I think that's really really relevant to this.
1: Yeah, totally. So you were talking about, Rachel, just now, like, you know, what what do racist white voters <laughs> want to do? So we can think of that as a part of the Democratic primary electorate and maybe not racist white voters, um, for the example. But, you know, when a state or a jurisdiction is really homogenous, like Iowa is 91 or 92 percent white, then when one candidate like Pete Buttigieg starts to gain uh, you know, extra traction among white voters, the the swing is uh, like embellished, basically, for the purposes of this. Totally. And so right. he's not really improving his overall viability or support or coalition. He's really just kind of benefiting from a place that really looks like his supporters. Um, and so having more diverse states gets rid of that. You have to have a more, a broader coalition to win. Yeah. I would so yeah.
2: I but I would like to see. Um, I I liked that Nevada's pushed up a little bit early because I think the Nevada primary is always really interesting and really important. It's, I feel like Nevada's where a lot of sifting happens. Um, but I would like to see Colorado or Arizona shoved up in that mix a little bit earlier as well. Yeah. Once I saw um, the list, I was like, oh, come on, Colorado should yeah. be doing that. Yeah, because Colorado. I love Colorado of,
0: in the list. I, I when I was yeah. seeing that originally, and the Colorado was in the top five. I was like, yes, it absolutely should be there.
2: Yeah. Right. So I don't know if it's in the final list or not. Um, I hope it is because it should be. Uh, that the 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 makeup of voters in Colorado is the new Democratic Party. Yes. You've got white educated people in the Denver area. You've got tons of Latinos, um, throughout the state. Um, you've, you've got, got rural lots of Dems rural dems up the up the up the up the the everything really successful state party apparatus um clearly like sean you guys know what you're doing out there um a lot of really interesting success stories too around the state not just from the respect that there's two democratic you know senators and a governor but the actual policies that are getting pushed there in colorado are really exemplary of what you would think that democrat the democratic base would want um, so I'd like to see that personally. Um, I get why California is not shoved up there, but I always think like, why don't we just start with Super Tuesday? That's always my question. Like, why don't we just start with like one day, 22 states, knock it out. I don't know. I, I think That's... the
0: answer to that is actually pretty simple, which is that super. by the time you get to Super Tuesday, you have a limited candidates without money. And that just because a candidate doesn't have money to start, doesn't make them not a viable candidate to win the race and I think Barack Obama in 2008 is a really good example of a candidate who ultimately wound up with plenty of money, plenty of infrastructure, you know, this massive thing that they built along the way, but if you had started with Super Tuesday, Barack Obama does not become president of the United States. Just doesn't, right? And candidates like that who, you know, the unknowns are the, are the ones that do not become president and and that's not necessarily a bad thing you know big picture wise maybe that's okay maybe you know whatever maybe that means the whole system is different um but somebody like Barack Obama would never I mean he wouldn't have been a race in 2016 at all right we wouldn't have Bernie Sanders wouldn't have been able to do what he did in 2016.
1: Right yeah and that that has been one um thing that I've heard you know a criticism of the new of the new schedule the new calendar is that it might be harder for someone like barack obama specifically i think david brooks made this point um to to get traction because it's kind of expensive to try and hit Mm -hmm. all these places like it's not just um new states and more expensive states to advertise in but it they're also you know Iowa and New Hampshire used to go like kind of in the beginning of January. And then there was like a couple of weeks before Nevada maybe. And then, you know, so now all of these first five are in February Mm -hmm. Um, and pretty tightly packed too. right. So you got to be kind of running a national campaign or be nationally known to, to have a shot of coming out of that first um, you know, that first heat. I think it's, I think, uh, I feel like I have to credit everyone who I actually do remember who said the point because like I'm not making I'm not realizing or coming up with any of this myself. <laughs> but um, Yamiche Alcindor, uh, <laughs> who, add to her credit, I guess she's also an NBC News Washington correspondent in addition to I think that's moderator correct. of PBS's Washington Week. So she made the really good point: Democrats don't actually have any shot of winning South Carolina in a national election. So it might be pretty stupid. She didn't say that. <laughs> uh, they might end up rethinking well that's spending all that money in South Carolina. Well, that's
2: that's and that's my point. My point is go where the base is. Don't let people who are like, I don't know. I don't know what you guys want. Like, look at we like we don't have we have no idea. We don't well, know what like, the
1: rest of the country wants from us. Like, we Jamie don't know Harrison, what we're... who's the head of the DNC right now, I think. And you know, Biden obviously wants South Carolina, um, and that would benefit him. But just the fact that, you know hearing his name reminds me of the insane amount of money he raised to try and beat Lindsey Graham and he did not get close at all I mean
2: that's that's why I think you go Nevada Colorado I mean if you want to start in the west or something fine um I I, but I think like you I would start the primary in a state where you know a democrat's going to carry it why not I just that's what that's always my question like just do that just start in a place where you know the bases because you're- then you're having a real conversation and you're spending money for a really good fucking reason right like you're going to have to right. come back again and win these same people over
1: John, you're totally right you're on making that. me realize um, Colorado's not in it because there's probably too many progressives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good point. that's actually a really yeah. good point. That's why we that's didn't make. The cut. Well then, <laughs> well
2: then, okay. Well then, Arizona, because Arizona is not Colorado yet. Right. Arizona is still very much a swing state. Um, Michigan, I think, is a really smart idea to move it up. Um,
0: yeah, I love yeah. love Michigan. Love Michigan. Well, let's move on uh, to the big one. And now all right the big one newt newt gingrich is back in the news cycle right where we like to see him terrified uh newt gingrich uh warning this is the headline in the guardian newt gingrich warns republicans that joe biden is winning the fight um Lots of headlines like this going around. Uh, This is from The Hill. Newt Gingrich, uh, GOP, must learn to quit underestimating Biden. I like that one. This one's from Fox News. Newt Gingrich issues wake-up call to Republicans, quit underestimating President Biden. So you can see the theme. It's there. Uh, Basically, the gist, Newt Gingrich is pointing out the thing that everybody living in um, reality knows, which is that Joe Biden has done most of the things he said he was going to do, uh, that the Democrats had a pretty damn successful legislative period over the last two years. And that honestly, accepting the, uh, what just happened with the rail strike and the sick leave for rail workers, if you take that one thing out of it, he's been progressive. There have been sweeping legislative victories, uh, huge packages of legislation that, you know, some people have been like, oh, who does he think he is, FDR? Well, uh, there's some legislation that's been passed that is only comparable to what happened under FDR in the New Deal. Um, It wasn't packaged that way. It wasn't sold that way. We don't have the fireside chats. But... Yeah, in a lot of ways, that's kind of what the last two years was during COVID. During COVID, yeah, during
2: COVID, when when the party that Newt Gingrich uh, is still a member of was doing everything they could to combat uh, science, they fought science,
0: woke mask layering, uh, trans yeah. teachers,
2: right, right, just tra- <laughs> attack public education. Um, And, like, treated the pandemic like it was uh, a a political opponent. uh, Like, that's what they spent their time doing. That's a good way to put it.
0: I hadn't thought of it in those words, like a political opponent. That's exactly how. Yes. Precisely correct. Woke COVID. Like, it it was exactly (laughs) like that. Woke COVID. COVID, forgiving all these student loans. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of just going through uh, things Republicans have said about Biden and replacing the word Biden with COVID and just reading it and seeing: It's the same thing.
2: It'll be exactly the same. What I like too is that like this was just a blog post that New Gingrich put up on his own website, right? And that like it just the minute he said anything, like that's how much traction this guy still has. Well, in yeah. political circles which is bananas to me because well, he's been in he's been in office in forever yeah like, imagine
0: like in 20 years like if barack obama posted on you know you know barrio's politics blog uh, <laughs> you know yeah, he, was, he just was like the, he hey was y'all pres- we're, we're fucking up he was
2: the president newt gingrich was, was the, the speaker of the, of the house. house in the 90s
0: yeah but he was i mean that he was a pretty outsized political figure for True. the better part but of that's. but I'm-
2: but I'm saying like, that's how influential he still is, is that he could yeah. just be like, I scratched my ass. And everybody's like, New or scratches his ass. Like it becomes like a headline.
1: <laughs> it's kind of impressive. I'll give him that.
0: Yeah. What do you think, Sean, is this this uh, breakthrough?
1: Uh, I mean, definitely not for Michelle and regular right. people, I think. <laughs> um, but I definitely caught this. Yeah, it was, um, it did hit everywhere. You know, every, every news thing that I look at, you know, dutifully kind of mentioned that, Gingrich said this and, and he was right. I mean, I think that's probably why, you know, it got repeated so much is that it really resonated. He makes this comparison of Biden to Reagan and Eisenhower, other presidents who are in kind of advanced age and, uh, and how they play it. And, um, he says Reagan and Eisenhower prefer to be underestimated and wanted people to think of them as pleasant, but not dangerous. Right. And, Biden achieved something similar. Well,
0: what was the, the Phil Hartman-Reagan impersonation right on SNL? <laughs> oh, it's the best. That right? is the best. We, like,
2: just, we just watched that like two months ago. Yeah, it's
0: brilliant. We're like, the people come it's in the amazing. room and it's like, yeah, yeah, Timmy, oh, it's, it's wonderful, wonderful. And then they leave the room. He's like, all right, where were we? All
2: right, yeah. what's going on in Iran? <laughs> everyone, <me> <laughs> every, <laughs> everyone, <laughs> everyone else falls asleep and Hartman's yeah. still just like, he's like, wake up, you know, like. <laughs>
0: yeah, like, like you can totally imagine like behind closed doors, Biden is just like, I have 2 years. 2. Do not fuck this up. Right. Right. And then and then right. the camera comes on and he's like, "I'll have a butter ripple."
1: <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like he points out Gingrich does this ongoing thing that, you know, Biden has and and the Democrats in the last couple of years, you know, through this strategy of you know, tarring MAGA Republicans constantly with that name and making voters make the choice explicitly, like, you know, we know that the MAGA Republicans are associated first with, you know, January 6th and breaking into the Capitol and all that stuff. And, you know, being uh, indicted and convicted by the Justice Department, all of these things. Um, And the hate that they spew all the time, the anti-Semitism, the racism, and a lot of people in the midterm you know they did make a choice like i said before you know the republicans wanted it to be a referendum on joe biden and people repudiating his presidency and his first two years and instead they they lost that fight and it was a choice between the democratic and the republican visions and right now to the regular swing voter the republican vision is not rob portman anymore you know, or any of these normal people, it is the, you know, just the asshole neighbor, you know, um, and the people who really are maybe violent, racist, you know, the Republicans really do have a problem. Um, And with these court cases going on, like the Stuart Rhodes conviction, you know, they're talking about this weaponized Department of Justice, go ahead and keep mentioning the Department of Justice, because this conviction brings a ton of legitimacy yeah. to the other 900 people that yep. they have spent time indicting and convicting and throwing in jail. And, you know, Gingrich, uh, yeah, I mean, he he's smart enough to see what's going on.
2: That's kind of like, it's. I was reading his, I didn't read the whole thing because uh, I lived through his reign of terror when I was an adult. That's quite enough of that. Um, but like, what is so annoying about what he wrote is that it's obvious how smart he is Mm
0: -hmm.
2: you know like he because he does he he comes (laughs) off as such a such a like a windbag and he was so noxious and so toxic in the 90s and he was so destructive i think he's still one of the most destructive forces in american fucking history he did so much damage to the credibility of government he is one of the authors of the of an of the divided nation that we are living in right now this is yeah. what he wanted um he wanted to live in a very binary partisan uh congress he's he helped create it um and so to see him criticize it as much as i want to be like you hypocritical i'm like oh he's he's so like he's smart right like he's well, like, he's you, you are a stick
0: like dr frankenstein at some point would be like guys i'm look Give me a pitchfork. I'm really I'm sorry. But this is. So, we this, yeah, but but I, don't, I
2: don't. I don't think like I don't give him that much credit. Like I, I, don't, think he, like, any, no, I don't think he's like has any. think he's, he's doing any soul searching. But no, this he's is trying the to help his was, party like, here. He's. This he's is certainly this not is the guy. What is what is what is kind of mind-boggling about his sort of like reflectiveness, where he's like, listen, you guys, don't you gotta don't sleep on Joe Biden. Is that this is somebody who couldn't have been in Donald Trump's corner more if he tried right he worked newt gingrich worked his ass off to try to get donald trump elected the first time and to keep him in office the second time um i i don't know that i did did, i wouldn't be surprised if newt gingrich deployed the term rhino i don't know that he did I, i i wouldn't be surprised if he did because like he won't i mean what is
1: i feel like he probably uses his own words you right, know, like, what is I, what th- is MAGA if
2: if not what is MAGA if not the new right? I mean, like, to me, there's just this, the, 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 they're they're all cut from the same cloth. Um, but what I love, can I just say what I love? Can I say yeah, what I please. love again? Okay, so I keep going back to my refrain of the trifurcation of the Republican Party and how I assumed because I I I've been I I've, I read stuff and people are just human beings all the time forever and they will be in well to the future also that the, that Trump was the bomb that went off in the party. He was the figure that forestalled the crumbling of the Republicans in 2016. This is what should have happened. You know, they should have fallen apart. Then he gave them, he put them back. They were on life support. He uh, reinvigorated the party through means that were toxic and uh, awful um and so the, the reckoning they're having now is is a bit is a bit late but it was coming and because he's right they don't have anything it's ironic as hell to hear new Gingrich say this they're not saying anything anymore they're not saying we are going to do this they have become a party that is purely defined by obstruction and now they are obstructing each other
1: yeah yeah so well, i don't you... oh go ahead Oh, someone else that I listened to said this today. He went, you know, the Republican Party post-2020 has gone from being a party of white grievance and economic populism to just pure white grievance only.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, he. he I think this phrase that's in the Guardian article, this was the one that caught me the hardest. Or Gingrich said, we dislike Biden so much, we pettily focus on his speaking difficulties Sometimes strange behavior, clear lapses of memory and other personal flaws are aversion to him and his policies make us underestimate him and the Democrats. And I think that's like that to me, you don't need anything else like that says all of it right there. And it's it's not dissimilar, by the way. I think it's it's very similar to the message that a lot of really smart Democrats were, were pushing hard in 2017, 2018, 2019 about Trump. Which was like, yeah, he's a disgusting, you know, Michael slob. Michael like, Yeah, but like the fact that he eats McDonald's, the fact that he eats a well-done steak, the that's fact right. that he likes ketchup, like the fact that he's a slob, that's not – stop. Like stop talking about that. You're not doing yourself any favors by talking about those things. You know who likes well-done steaks and ketchup? Like a Everybody. lot of people. A lot of yeah. people do. It's fine. It's fine. Do I? No. But that doesn't – that's not necessarily a mainstream opinion. You know who likes McDonald's? Fucking everybody. Everybody likes McDonald's. Anybody who says, I don't like McDonald's, you're a fucking liar. You like McDonald's. It's goddamn delicious. It's so good. Have you ever had a double cheeseburger from McDonald's? It's one of the greatest culinary creations of all time. Sean, am
1: I wrong about this? No, I was just thinking about a sausage biscuit. Oh, God. Fireworks.
0: Yeah. you kidding me? Unbelievable. <laughs> That's why you can't
1: have it. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's too good. You're right. Like It is
0: too good. Every time I have a McDonald's breakfast sandwich, I'm just like, oh, my god
1: (laughs) like every bite their coffee wasn't so shitty i would be here all the time so (laughs) bad
2: (laughs) but what all right so to get back to to get back to politics for just a moment what is the irony scale though of the guy who got bill clinton impeached talking about you've got to stop demonizing this guy for the way he kind of stumbles over his words sometimes Like that to me, that to me is like, I don't know where, where that blows up off the irony meter, (laughs) but like, it should definitely tell you
0: that the, that what we're going to talk about in the last call, the Hunter Biden stuff, it should definitely tell you that that shit is third rail. If Newt Gingrich is just like, whoa, danger, danger, stay away. The guy who made years, years out
2: of the Lewinsky scandal. (laughs) Right. I love it when Adam gets so upset that he has to like leave like he has to like zoom way. all the way back off. The that's mic. how you know. That's that's awesome. that's, that's professional that's how you work know. on the
0: microphone there, folks. No, you know and, he, and he and he ground
2: and the guy that turned grinding the country to a financial standstill right. into a policy platform. Yep. We're gonna shut the government down. That's your guy right there. Yep. Um I think that's why I, I i think that's why i just deserve some conversation i mean i i'm not clearly like why would i be a fan of newt gingrich but um what that says to me is that nobody's in charge anymore i i mean i mitch mcconnell's the other side to the newt gingrich coin to right. me whether one is heads or one, i don't really care but they are both the authors of the party as it stands today um and Mitch McConnell at this point, as far as I can tell is going to, he's got his last term in the bag. He can do whatever the hell he wants to do. He may accept that he may never be my majority leader again. Right. Like that, those, those days may be behind him. And so this is a man who has done what he said. He's said he set out to do, which was to completely obstruct the, um, uh, legislative priorities of Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. Um, and made it all but impossible for Barack Obama to function as a president. Denied him a Supreme Court appointment, and then denied the courts completely to uh Barack Obama's ability to appoint justices, and then handed them all in a platter to the Republican Party. So Mitch McConnell's done. Like I, I feel like his. I feel like any days ahead of him as Majority Leader, should they ever exist again, I don't know that they will. um Seems well, unlikely. And he's to- got the
0: right to say to anybody who's like, Mitch, can't you blah blah, like. Mitch McConnell, definitely oh, no, has, gonna, he has earned the right gonna, to look at those yeah. people and say, I gave no. you everything, and everything. you gave me Donald Trump.
2: Yeah. I'm going to whistle away <laughs> from this fucking body <laughs> happily, happily. And like, I hate Mitch McConnell with the force of a oh, thousand yeah. sons. He is a terrible disgrace to this Republic. And I never say shit like that, but he is, there's no other way to put it. Like, how do you think he feels about the anti-chinese racist rhetoric that tore through the country during covid when his wife is a chinese american like mm-hmm. th- so like i i don't again i don't expect these people to be introspective enough to sort of go like we did this to ourselves but you are right adam that mitch mcconnell's gonna walk away from the body whistling he's gonna yeah. be like that's not my corpse i'm not taking responsibility for that um i bet he's he could have a hell imp- of a whistle too I don't know why he didn't impeach him. That's the thing that still blows my mind is that Mitch McConnell could have forced Joe no. Biden to exercise all of his political capital on an impeachment at the beginning of his presidency. That's what he could have done. Mitch McConnell could have done that. He could have been like, all right, I'll call. you raised I'll call. Let's impeach him. Let's do it. And by the time that process was done, everybody would have been so burnt out mm-hmm. that Joe Biden wouldn't have been able to do a whole lot instead. He handed him his agenda. It mm-hmm. is it is some of the biggest political blundering I've ever seen. I'm just shocked that I agree with Newt Gingrich about it. Frankly, yeah.
0: well, that takes care of uh, today's talking <laughs> politics. Let's, oh, let's unless uh, unless, unless Sean, Sean's got a final a final let's, word. Yeah, for let's us.
2: not let's not end the note. the Rachel is on the same page, All right, Sean, Gingrich, you, you get please. you get
1: one minute to close this out, and then we're going to the last call. Okay, so yeah, here's why it's also super interesting about Nick Ging- Newt Gingrich being a smart guy he says how the republicans are underestimating joe biden and that he's had all these successes and that for what his goals have been and the goals of the democratic party he's been winning and the republicans have been losing what he doesn't talk about is the obvious thing that he's setting up to a cold-hearted calculating political consultant the implication is you have to find a better way to go for the jugular you're you're whiffing like you have to find a better more aggressive you know more effective uh attack
0: stop kicking him in the shins
1: right like this is not working for you um and so interesting. that's interesting to see what you know what form that takes I'm and glad, who's ga- cuz was very and smart there's,
2: and there's yeah and then there's no one for him to pass the ball no one's going to catch that ball like nobody they're wide open right nobody's there
0: yeah because they say you mean like hunter biden
1: which is why i right, know he's like about, that's what i'm talking like, no. about as like the shitty strategy. yeah not that at all not that at
0: all <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna shift gears we're gonna talk about that in the last call which i have titled uh, for those of you who are not subscribers you want the last call you can get that by going to heartlandpod.com clicking on the patreon link or just going to patreon and searching for the heartland pod uh, and you can subscribe on our patreon at five bucks a month you get the last call amongst other things, but that's how you get to that episode. Uh, And the title of this last call is Hunter Biden's hog. So it's a little different than the regular part of the show. Uh, That's (laughs) why it's a subscribers only uh, thing. So you'll get a tiny little preview. You'll hear a a song and then a tiny little preview of it and it'll fade out. And if you want the whole thing, heartlandpod.com, click the Patreon link, sign up five bucks a month. Or go to Patreon, search Heartland Pod, sign up, five bucks a month, and Patreon to get the last call. All right, let's shift gears to that right now. Last call. All right, we are here for the last call. And this one is titled Hunter Biden's Hog, uh, as teased. And uh, it turns out the, uh, the Trump administration, uh, the actual government at the time, along with Joe Biden and his team, who was not the government at the time, but was a political uh, candidate running for office, that both of those groups, amongst other people, but those groups in particular, were pressuring social media companies, and specifically Twitter, to spike stories that they didn't like. One of them, of course, was the Hunter Biden laptop story. We all know, we knew for a long time that this had happened. This was not a secret. This, had, this news had been uncovered that Twitter had spiked the story. Everybody knew that had already happened. It wasn't, you know, this was not some crazy thing. But Friday, Elon Musk and uh, Matt—is it Taibi? Am I saying that right? Taibi. Taibi. Matt Taibi uh, got together and published a bunch of internal stuff from Twitter, basically showing how it how it went down. So what they did was they gave us the details of a thing we already knew happened. But then give us some background details and sold it like they were, you know, basically going to be exposing this massive, incredible thing that didn't get exposed at all. The only thing it did was it showed us, without a shadow of a doubt, that members of the sitting government were trying to do the exact same thing um, and succeeding in doing the exact same thing. Uh, that it is, in fact, a two sides story that there really is a both sides are guilty of this thing going on here. Uh, and that the thing that seems to have been the most controversial uh, was that James Woods, the actor, James Woods of John Q and uh, other things.
1: He's like the bird in a movie that I've seen. A kid's. Yeah.
0: Perhaps his most famous role for the, for Uh, the millennial crowd is the guy in family guy, uh, who goes, Ooh, piece of candy. Uh, (laughs) Um, uh, James Woods wanted to, he had pictures of uh, of Hunter Biden's, uh, you know, his dingling, his hog, his cringles, berries. He had, he had his, his private parts, his twigs and berries, whatever you want to call it. He had pictures and he wanted to put those pictures on Twitter and they wouldn't let him put up pictures of hunter biden's hog
1: and so he's really mad about that james woods wanted to post the pics on yeah. twitter yeah and was he stopped uh, preemptively or <laughs> i think they
0: were taken down i didn't look okay. too much into the mechanics of the dick pic saga um, right. other than to know that the dick pic saga existed uh, and then James was, Woods is involved. That's so funny for me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those stories where you're gonna, uh, you know, you're kind of going to see what you want to see. I think from this thing, uh, it's insane. And, you know, I I don't love continuing to talk about Elon Musk and that's, you know, I, I really, the, the Friday night thing with Elon wasn't even on my radar. I was just like, Well, I'm going to see what it is because I'm sitting in my house on a Friday night and I'm going to at least see if there's anything here that matters. And it became clear very quickly that nothing mattered. But Matt Taibbi is somebody who, until Friday night, I thought of as, like, a pretty serious, useful journalist. He was Uh,
2: at one time, very much so, yeah, for sure. And... I, I I don't understand what what how, like, how the Mighty how the mighty yeah.
0: How did we get here? What what has occurred? What is this? Like that's why to me it became a story. Was that like Elon didn't put it out there? The Heartland Pod is a production of MidMap Media, LLC. Follow us on Twitter with at the Heartland Pod. With email, you can reach us, heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com. Online with heartlandpod.com. Subscribe and please sign up for our Patreon with patreon.com slash heartlandpod. Become a pod head or an official podgressive today and unlock all of our content. See you at the next show.